I would like to address uh, perhaps the uh, most uh, severe or we could say dangerous form of the impact of the Sahara on a person, which Mesut Sharm describes with the uh, idea of darkness, Lila. And I'd like to touch on basically four points, if uh, the time allows. Um, number one, to describe the nature of the state in a person. As we could see from the great Svarim, Chavoslavavos, and Sosasharim. The second would be to offer some kind of a mindset that could help us to do the work that we need to do to address that challenge. And perhaps also some practical uh, ways and means to engage in it. The third point would be to try to highlight uh, an ingredient that could help very much in this kind of work. And the fourth would be to share a personal experience and uh, give everyone the chance to uh, make believe you were on the scene at the time, watching, um, hearing, even seeing my thought patterns and um, having the opportunity to uh, give some much needed advice on what you would have said. Okay, so let's make a start. The Chovas Alvavos and Shah Yuchen Amaisa describes the nature of the Sahara. The best way we could say it is being totally integrated and camouflaged in a person. It says he's involved in everything a person is doing and thinking and experiencing and he presents himself as our best good friend. And we could probably even extend it to presents himself as ourselves, where we're not even aware of the effect or the influence of the presence of the Sahara in our life. But whatever is coming from that, and that part of our existence, the physical nature, all those physical drives and needs, all the emotional, psychological, ego drives and needs, there's so integrated in a person that we relate to them as, this is myself. And all the desires that are coming from that, that koach, that power that's placed within us, we think of and relate to them as our own true personal desires. And the Chalosov describes it as like our best good friend who's advising us. But I think we can even, even extend it to as if it's mamish me. We talk, you 
describes that as well. Totally integrated. And the Mesil Sasharim, in a similar kind of way, based on the Gemara that compares Alamhazat uh, to Laila, says that um, just like the dark of night can cause a person um, different types of errors, he could not see at all what's in front of him, or maybe in the more twilight period, he could become confused and to mistake a person for a pillar, one person for another person. And he says in a similar kind of way, the, uh, the nature of Alamhazib, which of course means all the physical and uh, non-spiritual parts of a person are causing him to even confuse mitzvah and avera. And he says the other person will bring powerful proofs to his position to support his false ideas, false philosophies. So he's touching already on this uh, kind of a situation where the person's intellect is not functioning to protect him against the negative drives within him, but on the contrary, they are essentially being taken over and functioning to intensify a person's pursuit of that which is really ultimately very self-destructive. And we find this also described in the Chavos Lavavos later on in that same Parakei uh, where he talks about how And the Sahara is gradually causing a person to adopt step by step that which is false over that which is true. It can reach a point where the, the intellect is totally taken over by the Sahara. And the person's power of reasoning and wisdom is only functioning to take him further and further away from the truth. To, to the worst, worst kind of conclusion. And really, uh, it's essentially describing um, what we know from other good sources, that a person can lose all touch of real rational thinking. Like uh, in the AA book, it talks about um, magical thinking of an alcoholic who will say to himself I can have just one more drink and the next thing you know he's waking up after going unconscious and in a similar way you can find um, a variety of examples like that where a person will say I will never get caught no one will find out I could stop myself, whatever bad behavior might be. And really, there's no contact with reality anymore. The way I like to describe it is um, that the seichel goes down. Like when a computer goes down, 
and you cannot get any information out of it. So that aspect of the person that is the part that is intended to be able to function against the power of the passions is essentially taken over and not functioning in any manner, shape or form on behalf of the person as it's really intended to function. And it's even worthwhile to draw from most extreme examples in order to be able to find something of that nature within ourselves, which we might very well be able to find. I'm not hoping for that, but since I know from experience that it's possible, so it's worth using. And looking at where we see it take place in the most extreme form. And you can see that in the first chapter of Dale Carnegie, where he uh, quotes from some of the worst uh, criminals having no clue of why they're being pursued and why they're being considered uh, to be um, public enemy. So it is possible for the human intellect to be completely non-functional and only working, like Chazal was saying, to the detriment of a person, like Mrs. Sharma is saying. It's only bringing him more and more proofs to his false ideas. So the question arises, um, oh wait, let's go, let's go slow. Does this make sense so far? This kind of phenomenon, can you, can you relate to this? Does this make sense this could be? Do you have any question or comment about it? One thing, um, one thing that comes to mind is, um, I've heard Rabbi Schaefer say mm -hmm. a similar idea. I think the guy's name, the criminal's name was Tugon Crowley. Yeah, okay. Well, what it's, do you, what in, it's, in, it's in Dale Carnegie, yeah. So he said it was like at his last moments, before he yeah. died, he wrote, he wrote this letter. Mm -hmm, right. And and basically, I think the, the part of it was like, he was saying how like he, he was sincere, you know, on, on the deepest levels. So like, he was doing this, you know, he was a good guy, bottom line. Yeah. Um, and he was bringing out this idea of like, in his head, he felt like he was rationalized. So I feel like maybe if you bring right. that in, that, right. like the way I'm hearing that is that the sechels work, but it's not working in like straight way. It's working in like a twist way. Right. Excellent, yes. The seich will be working, but it'll be working in a totally distorted way. You know, I don't want to go to like the most painful examples of world history, but you know, we know what they are. You know? right. Nazi Germany. They're convinced they're helping the world. Civilized, civilized society. So we know even on a large scale possible for this to happen but it's maybe in a sense more helpful we see it on an individual basis where somebody gets so like taken over that they engage in behavior that is 
totally irrational besides the spiritual damage, even from their life situation. They're setting themselves up for disaster and not able to see it. So I have a question. Uh, yes, please. It's very, it's very likely that you're going to address this, but how is anyone supposed to how is anyone supposed to trust any any thoughts or course of action that they decide to take if it's right. so integrated into a person and he could right. literally think true is yes. is false and yes. false is true? Yes, that is that is an excellent question. <laughs> How is it possible to somehow um, avoid this or get out of this? Is there a way for a person to protect himself and to um, even escape from such a um, not good state? Um, that's a very good question. But at the same time, it seems quite clear from Mesulsa Sharm that um, there is effort that we can make in this direction because he talks um, several places about a person uh, analyzing and contemplating his actions and his ways calls it his drachim that's not just particular actions was this thing that I did allowed, not allowed talk about a whole approach of life person's entire approach of life can be off course whether it's how he's relating to his children, how he's relating in his business, how he's relating to Hashem, how he's relating to the whole gamut of Torah mitzvahs, how he's relating to himself. So it's clear from Sulta Sharim that there's something that we could do. He's, he's saying we have to analyze, we have to search, we have to think into it. So... <laughs> Seems like something is possible that we could do. Ben um, Yibachai gives the mashal, uses the uh, mashal from Bedikas Chametz. Says the Chametz is the mashal of the Sahara, and just as we search for the Chametz in the cracks and the crevices, we have to also search within ourselves into the deepest places to try to find uh, some of the effect of the Sahara. That's taking place within us. Now, of course, Mr. Sharm adds that we need Hashem's help, and uh, that's a little bit encouraging, but it seems that there is something that we can do. So, uh, I would like to try to, like, figure out a little bit what might be a mindset that could help us, that could enable us to make that effort, some kind of an effort of trying to examine, is my thinking correct? Is my approach to life correct? In a certain sense, just the very willingness to be open to that, to discover that maybe it's not correct, maybe there is, powerful forces at play that have sent me off course. That itself is a major step in the, in the good direction. 
if there's an openness to discover it. The worst case scenario, of course, is where a person would not be employing this advice. It wouldn't come to a shear where it's being talked about, where the necessity of it, the value of it is being discussed. Is totally preoccupied and not open, not hearing anything. If a person is already open to try to discover, that's a major step in, in a good direction. But what can help to strengthen that? So, of course, you know the the, the first step is always to solidify the foundation to know what it is that we're trying to accomplish with this attempt to analyze and look into ourselves and be be alert and be properly judging. Rabbi Mechaia says it's, it's only done by the neshama, by the light of the neshama. You know, we're coming to, to judge ourselves through the, the power of the neshama. The neshama is going to be doing that searching. It's a powerful force. But uh, not an easy task. So, so if we know that um, this this is a very great, very great mission that we are trying to undertake, what is what is attempted to be accomplished here? What is what is really all about? Oh, we're engaging in that that battle that Hashem has created for us. We're trying to to undertake the, the conflicts, so to speak, with one of the greatest barriers to closest to Hashem, that Hashem has created within us. Hashem has created within us. This is the power of blindness. And it's created within us all those forces that produce the blindness, that, that contribute to that blindness getting started and then growing and growing. So, we know what we are trying to accomplish in this effort, we will at least have a good foundation. We're coming to accomplish Hashem's good purpose in creation, to bestow the maximum good that can be given that will come to us through that process of overcoming the barriers coming close to Hashem. But that's all that anything that exists in the world is for. It's only for the sake of giving us the challenge and big challenge to address and overcome with Hashem's help, come close to Him and gain all the benefit of that closeness forever and ever. The indescribable, unfathomable benefit. So this is the great mission that we have. Um, and the key element of it, I think it's pretty pretty safe to say, as we've heard already, is to be accepting of that discovery, whatever we might come to realize, to, to essentially be okay that something like that is present in us, or that we are essentially very far off course that we may discover that and that we can be okay with that being the case. That's no simple matter in its own right. 
but that also has to come, I, I, I assume, from that basic starting point. <clears throat> I'm embracing everything that Hashem has made with all its power, with all its effects. And even if I had had some responsibility, nothing can stand in the way of tshuva. Tshuva can rectify and can reverse and can transform from, from, from the worst to the best everything in my experience. So all this Hashem has made I should not be trying to find something that's undesirable for the sake of my getting rid of it because I can't bear to be imperfect because I need to be just all okay. May not be able to be corrected just very, very quickly or not as quickly as we might like. So we have to be accepting of its existence as this challenge that the Silsham describes as a war and the Chavosan also describes as a war. <clears throat> so we are engaged in fighting a great war for um, more than the survival of the world, for the purpose of the survival of the world, for the purpose of the existence of the world. You know, we've been we've been charged with that mission to be the army, not just the general, to be the entire army that's going to carry out, that's going to fight that battle. Okay, so using that muscle, what do you say about to the concept of uh, you know, looking as part of the war effort, espionage? In modern day warfare, very, very important aspect of uh, modern day warfare is um, the aspect of espionage. Each side has spies that are trying to gain information that will be critical in their, uh, their attempt to, uh, to be victorious. So imagine. Um, a situation where some member of the enemy has infiltrated a very high level of the government and is um, causing uh, tremendous damage to the country and its war effort. And you are given the mission to try to find, try to figure out who is that foreign agent? Who is the enemy agent that has infiltrated the government? At least the president himself. No one is, is, is beyond suspicion. <laughs> or maybe you see this on your own. No one's even charging you with the mission. <laughs> You have to write the script for, you know, blockbuster movie. <laughs> you see on your own that someone has infiltrated the government. Maybe it's been written already, but, you know, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> and you are trying to find where is that enemy force lurking that is engaged in the destruction of your country. And it may be very painful to discover 
someone who you thought was a great leader, someone you could rely upon, someone who was doing great good for the country. And really they were an imposter. Really they were a, a destructive enemy agent. So I'm, I'm considering, I'm suggesting, perhaps we could undertake that kind of a mindset that we are, are being tasked with also this part of the mission. Part of our mission is that searching, that coming to discover. Where is that essentially aspect of the enemy that has infiltrated that has taken that has taken that has taken us over but it's not merely in the sense of because I want to be rid of it I'm being given the task to find him to find that part that that power that that entire experience that's taking place and and I could be in both play in both roles, so to speak, simultaneously. I could be the, the one who is being victimized, so to speak, was being taken over, and I could also be the one who will discover it and uncover it. <clears throat> and I could be okay with, with engaging in that. It will be a great accomplishment. Of course, with Hashem's help. This is like the marshal that Shalmela gives of Ish Miskein Chacham, this Melech Godol, this power, but this little source of Chacham. What is that? What is that made out of? It's just the call of MS in a person. I want to discover truth. I'm willing to discover truth. I'm trying to do Hashem's work. To accomplish that mission, to accomplish that magnificent goal. This is part of it. Part of it is coming to, to see within myself where I may be off course. And once I'm open, then I'll be able to pick up clues. Once I'm looking, once I'm alert, like Masila Sharm talks about, if something is not on my mind, I'll miss it. If something is on my mind and on my heart, then I'll be able to find it. I'll be able to see the signs, those, those red flags that are telling me that something is not okay over here. Chaznish has a, has a line in one of the letters. There's a person here, there's a voice. Mashu shalei Something is not right. Something is not quite okay. Okay, I'm going to pause here. Boy, say, how does this sound? Does anybody hear something that makes sense to them? That this, this muscle of this aspect of Mulchama, this aspect of a war effort, could help us to undertake that role. 
not going to be experienced as like a begrudging willingness to discover something very uncomfortable. It's going to be a great accomplishment to be the one to discover where is that enemy agent hiding and lurking and flush it out into the open, then be free. Chovas Lover says that once uh, we see what's true and what's false, Yitzhara can be easily dispelled because the whole effort is to present what's false as if it's true. But once we see that, oh, this was false, then it has no, sometimes it has no power at all, immediately. I've had that experience too. Coming to realize what's going on and like, okay, it's over. It's all over. So we can hope for that. But in terms of like the fear of I'll discover that I'm off course. How can I how can I bear that discovery? The answer is what an accomplishment to find that hidden enemy. What an accomplishment that could be to engage in that analysis, that painstaking. Imagine the person who's trying to find who is the enemy agent, what you have to go through, what you have to analyze, how, how involved you have to become to be able to get the sense of where is he, which one is he. That's, that's, that's major work. That's chasha. So to discover that, that is, should not be taken as like self-negation. I'm going to discover I'm a fraud. No, I was infiltrated by the enemy. That was not me. That sense of myself that I had, I was all from the influence of a external force. My true self is, is fully, fully in place. Then the Shama is fully is untouched, but it has been sort of arrested, has been confused, it has been taken away from itself, has been blocked from functioning. Oh, now this is this is all gone. It's like the prison brick. I view myself as, as, as imprisoned by this imposter, as being taken over by alien force. But once, once I come out of it, then I realize, oh, that was never me in the first place. I was only a mis misconception of myself. It was all just fallacy, fantasy, mirage. I was all a concoction of my mind. All false, all nothing. It's, it's gone. If that's not an instantaneous, that's also okay. But there could be times where it will be instantaneous. And that's part, that's what I'm trying to accomplish. That is a great accomplishment. Okay, I'll pause for your reaction.
does how does this sound to your voice like do you think this might be able to be helpful does it make sense um or any other question or comment okay on the on the question the question of does this make sense to you there are three choices yes no or i need to hear it again You know what happens if nobody responds, then I have no choice but to ask somebody. I hope that's okay. Okay, here we go. Yari, did that make any sense to you? I I don't understand it really, Rabbi. That's fine. I'm I'm happy to try again. Would you Would you like that? Please. Okay. Um. We're trying to address the, the not easy task of trying to discover within ourselves that we may have, in, in a very broad kind of a way, be going, we may be going in a broad way, not in a good path in life. We may have a certain mindset that is false and damaging that we are not aware of and that are under those conditions we're not really thinking logically about it and at the same time we're being, being directed by the Torah to engage in a process of trying to discover that, to able to, in a sense, look from outside ourselves in a certain way, or maybe from the deepest part within ourselves, and come to discover that we have, to be simplistic about it, been taken over by a foreign power. And to be willing to do that and to engage in that effort um, takes a certain kind of a mindset that could empower us that we shouldn't be held back by thinking, like, how can I, how can I bring myself to discover that I'm living a life of falsehood? Okay, let's take for like a very like real life and like you know, sort of sad example. You have a scientific community that is um, like dogmatic in not accepting the possibility of creation by a divine being. And they engage in all kinds of, you know, theories to explain the phenomena that we see in the world because they are not allowing as an option creationism. Can we imagine somebody in that community being willing to discover about himself that this entire philosophy, this entire fundamental view of the world 
is false, is mistaken, is erroneous. Everything that he has, that he has built in his life, all his life's work predicated on a certain principle, and it's all a scam. Can you see how that can be a very difficult thing for a person to discover? Gary, what do you say? Yeah, I, I, I can see where it'd be very difficult. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think the same thing could apply to, to all of us, maybe not as an extreme in such an extreme form where, you know, our, our entire life is defined by it, but there could be aspects of life. Or maybe there could even be something as major as that. Where we're going in not a good direction and um, we're not seeing it. And the Torah is, is, is teaching us that we have the capacity to study ourselves and analyze and question and be able to discover, of course, with Hashem's help, that we got off course. Shiva told us that uh, his father met someone who was a great Yerushalayim, but um, he was very depressed. Yerushalayim had brought him somewhere to a place of melancholy. Wasn't serving Hashem with Simcha. Rabbi said to him, you have to retrace your steps and try to figure out where you got off course. Because this is definitely not what the Torah is supposed to be. And that person himself could have also discovered that. Because he also certainly knew the principle, the fundamental principle of serving Hashem with Simcha. It was well, well learned. So that could have been enough of a, of a clue, of a window. Somewhere I got off course. I have to figure out how that happened. If somebody is willing to be completely honest, they could say, well, there are, there are indications that this theory that I have may not be accurate. Maybe there's another one. Maybe there's a better one. <laughs> a truer one and a better one. So you know, there could be the real hope for a much better kind of living than we might have right now in the in the false mindset and i think an example to illustrate this will be helpful which i'm hoping to get to um but that may not be you know enough to be the motivation by itself so i'm suggesting that since this effort this life mission is being described by the great swarm as a mulchama, as a war effort. Sulasharm says the mulchama surrounds a person in front of him and behind him. Of course, this is, this is not meant to frighten us because you know a true soldier is not afraid of the challenge, not afraid of the battle. He's he knows, he has the equipment that he needs. He has the training that he needs. He has the ability that he needs. So in, in, the, in the battle that's being given to us in life to overcome everything that takes us away from Hashem 
and come close, we can also be quite certain that we have the ability. There will be no other purpose for it to be there if we didn't have the ability to address it. Again, with Hashem's help. But we can make our effort. So I'm suggesting that a mindset that we could use that could empower us is the mindset of engaging in espionage, counter-espionage. There's a spy that has infiltrated the highest level of the government. And it's my mission to root him out. <laughs> and what if it's even me? Some alien force has taken me over. <laughs> and I have to find that within myself and rid myself of it and discover my true self. And there's some place within me that could be the starting point that I could say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. And start to to study, start to stay in touch, start to be alert, start to see where something is really not okay. Start to notice the first signs of something that's off. And in, in that process, I'm doing a very great aspect in the war effort. In, in, un, in unmasking the enemy and discovering how the enemy has made a powerful influence upon me and starting to turn that back. That's a great aspect in the war effort. So in a sense, I am I'm analyzing myself, but really coming to discover myself. But the initial step is, I'm given this mission of finding the enemy that's lurking within. Or like the Rebbein uh, Bechai is using the marshal to shine the light into the darkness, to look with that candle in the cracks and the crevices. And it's really the same thing if we're looking for something major, or we're looking for something very minor. Like Mrs. Sherman says, we shouldn't allow for ourselves even a bad mido, even a bad habit. Because everything in terms of serving Hashem is of extremely great value. And if someone is in a state where things are pretty okay, but there's still, still room for improvement, there's still room for correction, then, then that's his job, that's his mission. Like the story of Mishra Salanter, he passed um, the, the workshop of a shoemaker who was late at night and he was still in there working. And he, and he, and he, and he bent down and he, and, he, and he called out to him, he said, he's so late at night, you're still working? And the shoemaker said, as long as the candle is burning, I could still fix. I could still fix while the candle is still burning. And hit your straw like a like like a thunderbolt. As long as the candle is still burning, as long as you're still alive, you could still fix. You could still search. You could still find where there needs some 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 correction, some adjustment in the midas. So we're trying to look inside. That's that's I am looking inside myself. It's not that I'm going to be 
harming myself, disgracing myself. No, I will accomplish that mission of discovering where the, the false personality has made inroads and trying to, to trying to get away from it. Did that help at all? Uh oh, <laughs> Gary. No, lost you. Okay, no, I'm, right I'm right here. Okay, did, did, was was that helpful at all? And you can tell me the truth. I, I mean, I, I, I guess it was. A, I mean, is it is it kind of like Zahirus? Is what he was talking exactly. about? Exactly. That's Masul Sasharim is saying. We have to uh, be misboning into our into our actions and our drachim, our pathways of life, to see what might be there that needs to be corrected. Like he says about um, the, the this world being like nighttime, that can cause me confusion and see uh, a person as a pillar, see. Right is wrong and wrong is right. So if that's within me and that's in my whole approach of life, that means I'm coming to discover something major about myself that's got to, of course, but I can be okay with doing that because it's not just a matter of surrendering to the harsh reality of the truth. I'm engaging in this, in this powerful war effort of finding the enemy agent. Wow, that is not, that's not simple. But that's not, that's not against myself. That is, that is essentially from myself and of myself to really unveil my true self, to remove the, all the mirages, all the fantasy, all the distortion. And correct everything that, like the power of tshuva, has the power to do. So I think I want to go to a third point. Or maybe it's really a fourth. No, there's a third point. That is the, the critical benefit of having somebody that we could talk to about anything in our life. There was one, one time in yeshiva, one year, where the yeshiva was stressing this very much. As we've mentioned, the idea of good friends getting together. Now, it's not a simple matter to have somebody that's you're close enough to and you're secure and you're safe enough with that you could really really share share something personal with no fear of any harm coming to you any loss of respect any any damage to the relationship the Rambam says uh, that's one of the levels of, of friendship so quite a great level where a person has such minucha 
such calm, such like peace that he has somebody we can share anything with, and he's secure that no harm will come to him. He could share anything good or anything, anything negative, anything that was disastrous, maybe, in his life experience. Can, can I jump in for a sec? Sure. Um, a couple of points. First of all, um, I'm just curious, but I, yeah. I know part of this Chabura is supposed to be about, you know, having the opportunity to share things that are more private, even for participants, right? As comfortable as you might be with that. Yeah, we have, we have had occasions where people were quite forthcoming. So uh, no. it, will, it will not be a total novelty. Go ahead, Avi. No, the question I have is, is like, if it's being recorded, so I could see that being a deterrent for some people, you know, feeling like they say something right. that's more private that people could hear it later. Right. So the um, solution for that is that anything that is recorded can be edited out. So, and, you know, that has been done in the past and could be done for any occasion that somebody would um, wish for that to be done. And you're saying they should just tell you after? Or who would they tell? No, I'm saying any, anything that is being recorded is not is not um, a final that cannot be altered. The recording, the recording can be edited. Right. So if you thought it was worthwhile to share something with this group that's here presently, but you would not wish for it to be preserved on the on the website or any other form for the future, then we could take care of that. Okay. Would they would someone tell you or is there someone else that does the like the audio stuff? Um, there's somebody who does the editing. And of course you tell me and I will pass on to them that you know um, this point in the recording, you know, 45 minutes in. There's a part that needs to be uh, deleted, and it's fine. Right, not to highlight the, the thing that was that. Right, okay. Um, fine. Um, just going back on something that you said before. Yeah. About um, never being too late. So um, I feel like what one element that comes up is um, the older that a person gets, the more shame that the person person could have in terms of dealing with something and there's so much more room for rationalization and telling himself that it's not a big deal so um mm -hmm. could you talk to the idea of like from sarah agra or like or someone that talks about the idea of you know dealing with the itzahara even though i think Pirak yabos or someone says you know you shouldn't deal with it when you're old you shouldn't deal with it when you're um to do with it when you're young and now wait until you're old or whatever. It's like, let's say there are things that, you know, someone didn't deal with and you're getting older and like, what kind of chizuk can a person feel that like every difference that he makes in this Mida, it's worlds of, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it to, to go for it, even if he feels that he's not going to make the biggest difference, but everything that he does is worth something. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of thoughts, um, but there's probably room for 
a lot, a lot more. Um, one thought that I have is that um, there's a very, very great accomplishment in um, not defining ourselves um, essentially by our past behavior or our future behavior or by any behavior. Of course, our behavior is significant in that it can bring great benefit to us if someone needs to be corrected. So there's a mitzvah to, to rectify and anything can be rectified retroactively. But in terms of our essential self-definition, we need to establish as our true sense of self what, what that truly is. And that is our neshama that's kayam at any moment. And that any moment that a person has the opportunity to engage in something good and positive, it's essentially in the category of yesh kainalama b'sho'achas. For, for one even seemingly simple, pure, good action, person is, is, is kind of untold. I think Moab brings that Chimim Trajan asked Reisim Ben Kisma, who was already ill and maybe able to see already what's in the next world. He asked him about his share in Olmabo, and Reisim Ben Kisma asked him, do you have any good deeds? And Chimim Trajan said, well, one time I had my own money and money for the Aniyim, and it got mixed together, and I didn't make any calculations. I gave them all the way to the Aniyah. So as not to, you know, have any possibility of maybe making a mistake, I guess. His Mavatar and his money gave it all the way to the Aniyah. So recently, Gisman said, if that's the case, Halavai, my Chalik should be your Chalik. So just something that seems to us to be a very simple action of being very generous and giving in Mavatar on his money, not trying to be medactic on it, but just like, okay, let it go to the Aniyim in a pure, good way. Something that no one knew anything about. And no one would have known if hadn't, if Mekisma hadn't asked. That was of such such greatness that Mekisma said, Halavai, my Chalikalim, how should it be like your Chalik? That's the one thought, that the moment is immeasurable when a person can do any given moment. Another thought that I had was that we should not be so hasty to conclude, you know, what's going to be um, in the future. Things might develop, might play out in a much more positive way that we can presently imagine. Because right now we see ourselves as we are right now. But if we make a step, or if we gain a different level of clarity, like the Chaos Lover says, Nater is just falsifying the truth. But once I see what's true, he has no more power. So we should be open to even major positive improvement and not cut ourselves off from that. And certainly not uh, you know, limit our efforts based on the assumption that um, we're not going to accomplish 
as much as we're hoping for. We may accomplish far more, and then, of course, we'll have other good work to do. So, you know, I would say we should uh, reserve judgment on, uh, of course, we should be willing to you know, do a lot of work to engage in the long twilight struggle. And it's worth, that's definitely worthwhile as well. And every step and every effort is immeasurable. But there's also the room for, you know, we should not assume that we know everything, even about ourselves. We might be pleasantly surprised. How does that sound? Wow. Um, I hear. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a crazy story that just happened. Uh, we had a bar mitzvah in Waterbury. I was planning on speaking about a bay in the where uh, Shalom Melech advises the Ganav to give back all the gzela because his life is going to be better. By living a simple, honest life with the closest to Hashem. And we've spoken about it in this uh, venue. And I spoke about it in Yeshiva. And it's been a, a very, uh, I guess, favorite Maramakam of sorts for a long time. But I, I think, I'm hoping I'm not positive yet. I think I shot for the first time only at Eitan Katz's little concert at Rabbi Gomer's yeshiva of Hanel Shabbos on Thursday night when he was playing the uh, Sheva Yipol Tzadik. This is in Waterbury Thursday night, is it? No, this was in, this was in Far Rockaway. Oh, Rabbi Groner's yeshiva? Rabbi Groner's yeshiva, they have a Hanel Shabbos. Yeah. They have some very good musicians in their yeshiva. And they got Eitan Katz to uh, come and um, Lead the show this past Thursday night. Was he with Joey Newcomb or just, just no? Eitan Katz, Eitan Katz and the uh, and the Shivas Atera Shimon band. <laughs> and when they're playing, <laughs> when they're playing that niggin over and over, it's like, oh, that's the pshat. That was Shlomo telling the Ganav. Yes, it is shaykh to you. Yes, you could throw away the Gneva and you could live with closest to Hashem just like any tzaddik. <laughs> you are a yid. You have a neshama kedusha. Nothing that you that you did until now touches your neshama. Nothing holds you back from being close to Hashem on, on the best good level. You think you're a ganav? That's all your imagination. That's all just your, 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 your delusion. That's nothing. Whatever you did, it's nothing. And there's no shaykhs to you yourself. I said all the words, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Until I heard it being played. Now, you get back up. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's just chitzeni. It's just 
internal. It's not the mensch. It has nothing to do with you. You can be close to Hashem. You can experience Avas Hashem, Yiras Hashem, Emes. Of course, if he gives it all back, it'll be a major action on his part. He changes his lifestyle from, <laughs> from embezzling into just, you know, plain, simple Emes. But when he does that, he will discover it was all a mirage. It was all nothing. This is who I am. This is a yid. A yid is a metzius of Kedusha. This is a metzius of his karvus Lashem. Oh, here I am. This is me. I'm back. I'm where I belong. This is my truth self. A being of emes, a being of connection to Hashem, being of connection to other people, not cheating them, helping them. <laughs> oh. Just to add to that, I heard someone say recently on, on Shavi Botzalek come, said the the emphasis on is on the tzadik. If you tell yourself you're a tzadik, then you'll, you'll be become. If you're if we get stuck in the Ghana for the Russian mentality, that's that's yeah. the, that's like the clinch, that's the nafkamina of no. the point of now now l- let's not forget it's shaykh to be quite stuck. You know the story with the Bahaim in, in the in the Ghana of a brisk. There was a there was a local Ghanav in Brisk, and he was making a simcha. People wanted to know if they allowed to eat, so they came to the rav. So Rebbeim said, "Give me a couple of days. You know, can they trust his kashrut?" So Rebbeim called in, called him in, said to Bianco, "Tell me, if you see a sheep on the edge of the field, nobody's around." Do you take it? I said, yeah, Rabbi, take it. It's my panosa. That's my panosa. Of course, I take it. Okay. Right here. What if you see Hazar at the end of somebody's field? Nobody's around. Do you take it? Have a chaspa shalom. I've from a yid. I told me I could eat. So he's a from a yid, but his parnosa is a ganav. Can can a yankel the ganav come to realize? No, no, no you're not yankel the ganav. You just got lost. You just got somehow all confused, all crazy. Terry is telling us, yeah, you could see. He could, he could, he could discover that. What happened? How did this happen to me? Right now, and like the neshama, and he has to be willing to, to, he has to know that's his godless that he will discover that when he comes to the realization. I was so lost. Oh, that'll, that'll be the point. This queen of Mahabha. That's the point. There'll be bal tshuva, makmish bal tshuva. So, um, we also have to try. Okay, it's, it's a little bit late. So, um, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to save the uh, personal experience for next time, Mitzvah Shem. And we'll give everybody a chance to um, 
play the role of the good friend, what they could have said, what you would have said, if you would have been there. Thank you very much.